0: love the reading of God's Word. I'm so glad you made it here today. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, I am glad you are here. Well, how many of you like spring? Love spring. Love it. How many of you? It's supposed to be 90 degrees. Can I get an amen Amen. today? Lord have mercy. Turn to your other neighbor and say, man, you just look really good today, if it's not awkward. (laughs) All right, you guys awake? Uh, That wasn't that that convincing. How many awake? You got your coffee? You ready to go? Okay, today we're going to be talking about joy, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about joy. I'm gonna to try to build a mosaic of joy over the next four or five weeks, and we're gonna talk about rest within that as well. So really excited for this um, continuing sermon series that we started a couple weeks ago. How many of you were here last week? Okay, how many of you were blessed by John Bevere? Wasn't that amazing? So I'm glad you made it. And so we're gonna pick up and today talk about joy. Last week he talked about, if you weren't here, the awe of God. So I have a son, his name's Riley. Everyone say Riley. He is the cutest kid in the world, he's three years old, he is a twin, his twin is Waverly, and uh, we love them so much. And what I love about Riley is that, if you're a parent here, you'll you'll probably understand, he loves to play with his food, especially spaghetti. Do you have any kids like that? Like to play with their food, especially spaghetti. Uh, And it's funny, when he gets spaghetti, because I think it's his favorite food, he shovels down spaghetti, his throat, and he acts as if we've never uh, fed him before, right? (laughs) He, he's, he's, he's just a funny kid, uh, but he loves to smile when he eats his spaghetti. He just has his toothy grin. He's just a cute kid. I wish I had a photo for you. But uh, the, the thing that I love about him is that he just gets spaghetti all over him. He gets spaghetti in his hair. He gets spaghetti on his face. Isn't it funny, parents, that spaghetti sauce, it ta- it's like face paint. It's weird. It just—it takes forever to get out. It's the weirdest thing. Um, he gets it in his clothes, and there's like a radiation zone of spaghetti all around him, and meatballs, and so he's really messy. And I remember, oh, there he is. That's 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 a tame picture. That's a sanitized version. Usually, it's all over in his hair and his eyeballs coming out of his ears and. God knows where. All right, let's move on. Um, but he just, he just loves his spaghetti. And I, I remember early on seeing him just shovel the spaghetti down his throat. I remember thinking, man, he, this kid is a messy kid. This is like really messy. I, I began to realize as he would smile and then he just, would, it just seemed like he was just filled with just passion when he ate his spaghetti that he, this wasn't a mess. What he was experiencing was joy. Everyone say joy. Joy. He was filled with joy and he was filled with delight. It was as if, like, he would smile at me when he's eating the spaghetti and it was as if he was saying, Dad, it just feels so good to be alive, (laughs) right? My three-year-old just like shoveling spaghetti, like, feels great to be alive, right? (laughs) That is what joy is like. Joy is a combination of festivity and celebration, excitement, exuberance, fun, laughter, and wonder. My wife and I, uh, about six, seven years ago, we lived downtown, and right behind us, or a couple blocks behind us, was an elementary school. And kids, on a bright sunny day, you would hear the bell, and on recess, you could hear the shriek. Everyone say shriek. You could hear the shriek of the kids as they ran out to the playground. Again, what do you call that? You call that joy. I love Psalm 19 says the sun comes out of its chamber and runs its race with joy. Psalm 96 says um, the trees of the field clap their hands. It feels like creation itself, the creative order, and I'm going to talk about this here pretty soon, is replete with this joyous celebration of God's beautiful world. Joy, I I like to argue, is woven in the very fabric of God's creative order. So I think in church, we should have more joy. I think as apprentices of Jesus, we should experience a little bit more joy. See, here's the thing. I... I've been around the block, so don't think I'm crazy, because I I know I look 27, but I've been in ministry for at least 28 years. And I've talked to so many Christians, and you know what I'm, I'm sensing as I get older? That most Christians are lacking, not in generosity, and they're not lacking in hard work. And a lot of Christians, they come on church on a Sunday, but many Christians lack in their experience of God's joy and delight in their lives. Like I used to tell my kids, my kids, when you give them sugar, which is a bad idea, they get really excited and they just get fun and they just get goofy and they make horrible jokes like, dad, what's on your face? And I'm like, I don't know. Your eye. <laughs> and they're shrieking with laughter, right? And Presty's like, psych. And I'm like, that's not funny, dude. That's not funny at all. But you know what I love about it? I just love the joy and the laughter and the excitement that they're alive. And they might not be able to name it joy, but that's exactly what they're feeling. I remember I would come home from work because I was a man of God and holy, and I would walk in and my kids would just like be ecstatic and they just throw their bodies on me. And I would just say this, everybody just calm down. Calm down. Now, of course, I think our kids need to be calm. Can I get any amen into that every now and then? But you know what I was actually saying? And I think a lot of people are actually do the same thing. I was actually saying, guys, your dad is utterly wiped out, exhausted. I had a long day. I am a holy man of God. I might be a little bit depressed. Take your joy and put it in the room. You know what I'm saying? And I think if we're not careful as Christians, we can read our Bibles without any joy. We come to God in, in prayer and worship, and we don't have any joy. We come on Sunday, we just don't have a lot of joy. We go through our work week, we spend time with our family, and there's like, where's the joy? The joy, the Bible tells us, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I'm going to talk more about the neuroscience about that over the next few weeks. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. God wants to fill you in this next season with more joy. How many of you want that? Huh? Okay, first service was really quiet. You're kind of quiet on me here today. But I really do believe that God wants to fill your life up, your mind and your heart and your emotions with his joy. So the problem with this, though, we all know this is that most Americans, and even many people in the church, are in bondage to a joyless way of life. New York Times article came out about nine months ago, and uh, they, they, they attempted to name this joylessness that many people experience throughout their work week. Uh, they called it, and I, I, I don't really like this word, but this is what they called it. They called it languishing. And this is what they said, the feeling that we were, this joyless feeling that we were experiencing, it wasn't burnout, they wrote in this article, uh, we still had energy. Uh, They continued, it wasn't depression because we still had hope, we weren't hopeless, but we felt somewhat joyless and aimless in our lives. And they said it was languishing. Languishing is a sense, in their words, of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. Many people, this is their experience of life. They have a lot of good things, doing, good, doing well, circumstantially, and yet they feel overwhelmed with the sense of life has been robbed of its color. Wow. So my question for all of us here today is, okay, imagine your emotional world on a continuum. Where are you at? On one end, you have flourishing. Let's just be honest. Can we be honest in church? Four of you can be honest, okay. Flourishing. The other side of this continuum is depression. There are some people in the depression category in the church and we love them. And we thank God that he is a healer and we thank God for good medicine. And we talk about that often. And then there are some people in the church that are flourishing, but I do think there's a lot of people still kind of in this middle, stuck and in bondage to a sense of joylessness, which they call languishing. So my question that I want you to answer honestly today Um, Don't get too religious on me, but in your heart of hearts, ask yourself the question and bring it before the Lord. Where are you at on that continuum of emotional stuff, emotional world stuff? So, What is joy? Really quick, Harvard study confirms what the Bible and the biblical text says is that joy or happiness is, is not predicated on your circumstances. Uh, in fact, there's a Harvard study that's based on a class, which is the most popular class at Harvard. Everyone wants to be in this class, and it's all about how can you be happy. And there's a paradox in this happiness class. You can't manufacture happiness on your own. And this is what the research bears out and says. We make, in the, in the words of the researcher, we make a mistake when we locate the source of happiness in circumstances. We get that job, we're like, oh, we're going to be happy. We get the money, oh, we're going to be happy. We get the power, or whatever you've been longing for, oh, we're going to be finally happy. Or you get the fabulous life, you get the house, we're going to be happy. You get that attractive partner, or you finally become attractive, what, What? I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I'm happy. I look so good, you know? So here's the, what the research bears out. Gains in happiness from improvements in our circumstances are short-lived. We want money, for example, and we get it, and guess what happens? We have happiness for a while, but then we want more. Why? Well, what happens our threshold of happiness raises because we want more and because our threshold for happiness, we have a new normal, raises what? we then become less joy-filled, less happy. The great philosopher Jim Carrey said this. That's a joke. <laughs> I love this. He's so refreshingly honest. He has everything that you could possibly imagine. He says, I wish that everyone in this world would be given money and power and fame, and they would realize and recognize that it's not what they think it is. Happiness is not based on circumstances, it's not based on genetics, it's based on something deeper. So we come to our biblical text, so what is joy? What is happiness? Well, you you can't manufacture it, you can't force yourself into joy or happiness Uh, Again, as I mentioned, uh, happiness is not predicated on your circumstances, whether you have good things or not. Let me just say this really quick. America has been dominated by this happiness industrial complex. In other words, I'm going to call it the cult of happiness. We think if we can get everything we want, we're going to be so fulfilled, and yet that doesn't happen. Happiness that we find in our biblical text is relational. In other words, happiness is a relationship with God. How so? Are you guys tracking with me? Proverbs chapter 8, 22 and 31 is all about the theology of joy. As one scholar commenting on Proverbs says this, Why did God create the universe if he is free and all sufficient? He doesn't need the universe. If he has everything that he needs within his own being, within his own character, the Trinitarian community of self-giving love, why, if they are self-sufficient, do they need to create something outside of themselves? That might be a little too philosophical for you, but the answer is found in Proverbs chapter eight. And the answer is wisdom we find, as was read, is with God, and what we find at the beginning of time, the beginning of time and space and and the world, is that wisdom with God is filled with delight, day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in his creation. In other words, God fired the universe into existence, as we read in Proverbs chapter eight, As an act, not of sheer power, but an act of sheer joy. The good news is, guys, I'm jumping because I'm trying to get you guys excited. That God is a God of joy. He delights in his creation. Ronald Rollheiser says this. If you you act like God, guess what? You're going to feel like God. And then he poses a question. What does it mean to feel like God? It feels like non-depression. God is a God filled with delight and joy, not anger, resentment, hostility. Well, some of you, I I can see on the look of your face, you need some happiness. And you're thinking probably, ah, maybe you're a little bit skeptical about what I'm talking about. Chris, we go through so much. I'm coming out of seasonal depression. Totally get that. Thank God for spring. Maybe some of you are in a, a season of just a really difficult season. And so this is like, Chris, today I really needed a sad message. That's fine, I get that, right? Um, but I think we got to talk about joy a little bit more because I just, I just want to come against this idea that we always just have to stumble through life overwhelmed with joylessness and everything that we find in the Bible somehow eludes us. I believe no matter what circumstance you're in, you can experience more Joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It never said the seriousness of the Lord is my strength. The harshness of the Lord, come on somebody, is my strength. No, the joy, the delight of the creator who fired the world into existence Filled with joy is your strength. Is your hope. So again, if you're like, "Ah, I don't know about this, Chris. Well, I I do. I want you to think about the extravagance of creation. Like my wife and I. Sorry, my wife is gardening, and so (laughs) when I I always do that, right? She is exceptional. She's been researching—is this not true—for months about gardening. We've learned so much. You've been telling me about indeterminate and determinate plants. I didn't even know that was a thing. My wife, a couple of days ago, she's growing tomatoes. And I didn't know there was like—it feels like a thousand different kinds of. It's, I'm exaggerating, but a thousand different kinds of like tomatoes. You know, there's different species. When I went to the grocery store before I had this conversation with my wife, I thought there were only two kinds of tomato. Right? The red kind and then an heirloom that looked a little funny, right? Now I know there's like 38 different kinds of, of species of tomato. You see this in the flowers, with flowers. You see this with plants. You see this with fruits. You see this just in life. You, th- you see this with seed. There are so many seeds that don't germinate. Why? Well, because God is a God of extravagance, and behind the extravagance of his creative world is delight and joy rooted in who God is. If you wanna feel like God feels, it feels like just sheer delight and joy. God, guys, God is so excited to be alive. I'm trying, I don't know what I'm doing with my arms. I'm Ricky Bobby right now. Like, what do I do with my hands? God is so full of delight and he wants to give you this delight. He wants to extend this into your heart and your mind. Again, if if you're just unsure if God is full of joy, just look at some of his creatures. Platypuses. Ostrich. My favorite, chickens. Chickens, right? Giraffes, right? Some of you are not laughing because your imagination is so boring. <laughs> you are a boring person. We should laugh every day when we go out into creation and we see that bird and we see that animal and we, we hear bullfrogs at night. Come on, somebody. Some of us are just, it's not boredom. You're just so full of joylessness. And I'm not saying because some of you are going through a really hard season. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people that are just kind of going through life and not going through any hard things, and you're just still full of joylessness. I just want to to call you out of that. Because I think the greatest apologetic to the world of who we are and the genuineness of Christianity is rooted in love and joy. Giraffes. You should go to the zoo this week. Go straight to where the giraffes are and just start laughing. <laughs> Not mocking, but you're like, oh my God, God, you're so good. Yeah, just, you were playing when you were creating a giraffe, right? You were sketching something out and you're like, oh, that's all right, we'll go with that, right? <laughs> that is the God that we serve. Psalm 16 also says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. his right hand there are pleasures forevermore god's presence god's presence brings joy fullness of joy at his right hand there are pleasures the word is beauty forevermore it is god who brings the joy into our lives and i think the problem is that we've lived in a disenchanted age for so long that as Christians, we've adopted a semi-secular model for happiness. So we don't, we're on the fence guys. When it comes to God, we think maybe God will, his presence will be experienced in our life. Maybe, maybe a couple times over a 95 year period in our lives, but that's about it. We think God's somewhere is out, out there in the cosmos floating around, but we don't really believe that God is intimately involved in creation and that, guys, his presence is a real thing that you can experience a lot. <laughs> and yet I think so many times we become disenchanted and we sit on the fence about, how God can bring us joy and we believe the lie that if I can get that house, if I can make that much money, if I, my kids would just shape up right and listen to me, if my spouse would just bring more joy to me, then I would have joy. Yeah. And yet we don't realize that we've adopted a thoroughly secular framework or worldview of happiness. It's all about me and self-fulfillment. If we could just break out of that, lift that off, that frame off of our mindset, and really believe that God's presence brings us joy, that I can open up my Bible, and the presence of God can show up and bring joy, that I can spend time in worship a couple minutes in the morning and just open my heart, my mind up to Jesus, and that can bring joy, and I can go on a prayer walk, and that can bring joy, that I can be depressed, that I can feel overwhelmed in life, but God can totally bring an exchange in my heart and turn things right side up, because I just open myself up to his presence, and that because I'm in relationship with God, I'm talking way too fast, that I can be Filled with the fullness of God's joy that's what we need to believe in and that's what I want for Capital Church God's called us to reflect his joy into the world to be caught up in the joy of creation I don't know if you know this but 15 years ago I was reading some astronomy piece in scientific lit or whatever and they were saying that our world as it, as it twirls through space at a couple thousand miles an hour around the sun, um, it actually hums. It actually sings. And I love that because that corresponds to what we find throughout the Psalms, that creation is singing with joy over the goodness of God's creative order. Joy, 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 joy. You and I can experience more joy in our lives. John 15, 10 through 11, we were apprentices to Jesus. Jesus having a conversation with his disciples, and this is what he said. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to go through stuff. You're going to experience some bad, bad stuff. But here's the good news. Your emotional world does not have to be shaped by what you're going through. It is possible. It is possible. It is a promise that your emotional inner life can be shaped by joy. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love. This is how I think we should translate it. And I'm going to do a little little grammar here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon. It means every other attribute is a commentary on what love is. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. So what does love produce in us by the Spirit of God? I love this. The very first thing is joy. Produces joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such, there is no law. You can have the joy of the Lord. We can believe for more joy in our lives. Joy, in other words, is an emotional state of one's inner life produced by the Spirit of God as well as a response to God's salvific work in our lives. So God's presence is so real that he works in us. He welcomes sinners. He heals the sick. He rescues us. He saves us. He brings joy in our fatigue. He brings strength. He takes us from strength to strength. He takes us from glory to glory. Uh, He moves in deep ways in our life. How many of you believe that? Man, God is at work in our lives, filling us up with his presence. And when we have his presence, we have his joy. So how do we respond to this message? Because some of you are like, I, Chris, that's not, I don't think I have that. It's hard for me to understand, it's hard for me to grasp because I feel like I've been going through a really hard season or maybe my whole life, I just feel like, man, I just kind of been more melancholic. Maybe a little bit more depressed, a little bit more joyless. Let me, just say this. Let me say it this way. If you're like me, when you wake up in the morning, you need to pray. And I'll explain. My wife, when she wakes up, she's full of joy and optimism. The joy of the Lord is her strength. It's just, it's just a gift that God's given her. When I wake up, I wake up, if you're like me, with a grumpy attitude. Anyone like that? Because some of you are looking at me like he's talking about joy. This guy must be the most optimistic guy on the planet, right? I'm in seasonal depression. My football team is losing. I'm tired of the winter. I'm like, I've just been going through really hard times. That guy just has no clue about reality. Well, let me just tell you, I'm preaching to myself, people. When I wake up, I don't wake up quoting scripture, singing a hymn. <laughs> I usually don't get laser-like revelation from God, so I have to start my day, and I'm going to talk about this here really quick. i got to start my day with prayer, and I'm going to talk to you about how prayer is so important for us uh, as, as we enter into the joy that God has uh, for, for us and our families. But you might be here today, and you're like, man, Chris, uh, I don't have a lot of joy. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I, to be honest, like some of you say it's like this. Some of you, you just like country songs. I'm trying to like wake you guys up because you guys are really quiet today. Like country songs, like you take my, you know, my dog and I lose my spouse, a country song. I hate, how many of you hate country? Me? I like, oh God. Today you're like, Chris, you're too hip hop, which I love. If you love hip hop, can I get an amen to that? Okay. Whatever your style is, some of you are like, I just want a sad song. I just give me a country song. I don't feel well. I just don't. I'm going through hard stuff. I, joy is going to be hard for me. Well, I'm going to share my personal experience of how God rescued me out of joylessness. Before I do that, I want to take you to Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19 as we close. And I love this passage. Verse 17 says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fell and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, why? God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So we have a hypothetical future set within an economic depression. He's basically saying, cost goes out of food, people. You've lost your job. You have no income. Interest rates are high. There's tremendous inflation. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Yet in this hypothetical future state, The prophet is saying, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Why? For the Lord is my strength. He's my strength. Wow. I'm not my strength. He's my strength. I'm not my strength. He's my strength. See, the problem with American Christians, I'm I'm, I'm going hard today. The problem with American Christians is we think we're our strength. I carry me. I made me. I made my money. All the things that I have, that's me. And yet that is not a biblical way of seeing you. You are not your strength, and I, I guarantee you, if you assume or you live your life from the script that you are your own strength, it will end in futility, but if you reframe your understanding of your relationship with God, that God is your strength in the good seasons and in the bad seasons, in the valleys And on the mountain summits, when you go through happy times or maybe depressed times, when you believe that God is your strength, you will be able to say, I can rejoice in the God of my salvation because it's God who carries you. You don't carry you. And I love the passage, Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Right? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Go through. Like many people think that they're stuck in a really ugly season, a season maybe filled with betrayal or woundedness or sorrow. And so when we talk about joy, we're like, ah, I just, I, I just joyless and I'm just going to have to, I don't think I can ever experience joy. And yet I just want to say, this, Yeah, there are times when we go through really hard seasons and we don't feel joy. But I want to encourage you that on the other side of this season, the other side is not just more trying hard, more working hard, more being serious about God. And I think being serious about God is really important, but, but I think really God wants to bless you if you're, if you're in a season of joylessness. God wants to bless you with his delight and his joy. Joy comes in the morning. Though the, through the night things are just not going my way, and I'm mourning and I'm overwhelmed by circumstances, joy always comes in the morning. Do you believe that God can strengthen you in any season that you go through? He can. Not only does he give us strength, he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. The prophet is, is envisioning a deer negotiating, negotiating the rugged terrain of a mountainside without injury. That's what he's saying, that we can be like the deer negotiating the complexities of life, all the hard seasons, the, the tough times, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that. And we can do it by God's grace and we can come out the other side more like Jesus. So I end here by saying, um, I went through two years ago, three years ago, I went through a really hard season of my life. The hardest season of my life. And I've been through a lot of hard seasons. But in 2020, I, um, I came down with COVID, a lot of weird, it was, it was really spiritual warfare. Have you ever experienced spiritual warfare before? It was. It was devastating, spiritual warfare, that I had never experienced up until that point in my life. I come down with COVID, and a lot of, I won't get into the details of it, but a lot of neurochemistry things that happened in my brain. So for six straight weeks, I would be up at midnight all the way to like six in the morning, just pacing back and forth. Call, and this guy, this isn't me. I'm not like, I don't have an anxiety disorder, but I was just, I wasn't, I felt like I was losing my mind and I had no idea what was going on filled with anxiety, getting a lot of spiritual warfare. You know, the devil will come, especially when you're not feeling well, and he'll speak lies to you. And I felt like physically, emotionally, spiritually, I was under attack, and thank God for my wife, and she helped me through a really tough season. And we had wonderful people in our church and intercessors. I want to thank our intercessors for praying my wife through a really, my wife and I through a very, very difficult season. And so I had for about a year and a half a lot of health A lot of health issues, a lot of physical challenges, shortness of breath, won't get into it. Let's put on some medicine. And again, I've never experienced anything like this before. And my compassion for people has expanded immensely by what I've been through. Before 2020, I had no, I couldn't even relate to someone who would contemplate taking their life. It's not me, right? I love God, I have a sense of God's purpose. But in this dark season with so much uncertainty, I went to so many different doctors, and I couldn't get a good answer of what was, going, what was wrong with my body. I would wake up in the morning into like this anxiety and this panic like I was dying, and it was just like, what is happening to me? So they put me on uh, some medicine just for a little bit, and I started tripping. Thank God for Marshall. Marshall called me one night, and it was the perfect time and they said, Chris, I think there's something wrong with the medicine you're taking. He didn't know that. I went to my son's practice. I've never experienced this before. This is early 2021. This is two years ago. I'm totally out of this. Can I get an amen? Amen. But in 2021, again, I've never, ever experienced spiritual warfare like this. I remember watching my beautiful boys playing football, coaching in the back, and looking beyond them and imagining different suicidal stuff i couldn't i'm like what is wrong with my brain what why am i even going there suicidal ideation for a good two hours and i'm like i I didn't know what was wrong with me i was filled with so much uncertainty marshall prompted by the spirit came and or actually called me and just said hey i think there's something going on with this medicine it was a revelation from god got off the medicine thank god it was that and uh I, i think it's important that when the holy spirit talks to you about somebody else act on it can i get an amen And so he acted on that in faith and it did something to me. Obviously, we're able to name what was going on. I was able to get through this, the most difficult time in my life. People have asked me, how did you get through all of that? Like I was physically depleted. I didn't feel like I could go on, went on a sabbatical and I'm like, I'm coming back, but I don't know how my body and my mind's going to come back. But I got, I believe you. But there, guys, there were so many days please hear me, I didn't, I couldn't sense the presence of God. I'm like, God, where are you? I had opened up my Bible and just nothing. Have you ever been there before? Pray and it felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. I'm like, there's nothing. My body was just racked with just pain and my mind with just anxiety and, and fear. And I got to the point where like, God, I just, I can't do this. And yet it was through, through family and friends and church and prayer that God, not me, and when not say God, God carried me through. Now I'm in my backyard in my new house, throwing my babies on the trampoline, filled with so much joy, listening to the bullfrogs at night. I have so much peace and so much hope, and I have so much faith for this church. And I believe God has a great, great, great purpose for Capital Church over the next 25 years. And the reason I am here over the last basically year and a half just filled with God's joy is not because I got myself through it. I'm here because Habakkuk 319, the Lord was my strength. The Lord... So what did I do? I didn't do a lot. I didn't do a lot. I just, I knew I had to survive. And some of you, I think you need to hear me. I just had to listen to my wife because I could barely even read my Bible guys. I had to listen to my friends. I had to listen to pastors who would send words of encouragement because I felt like I couldn't get through it, and they kept on encouraging me. How did I get through? I just kept on going. I just kept on going because even though I felt no joy and I felt more joylessness than anything and hopelessness than anything, I knew somehow if I just kept on going, though you sow tears, come on, you will eventually reap in laughter. And I knew as I sowed tears and went through the valley of Baca, Psalm 84, I would eventually go from strength to strength to strength. And I am a living testimony of a guy that was joyless, overwhelmed, thought it was over, riddled with anxiety, and now God took my life by His grace and his strength and brought healing to me. And you, if you're in the same season, can experience the exact same thing. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you're joyless, God wants to bring you into a place of joy. So what if, as I end here, I'm gonna to talk to all of us So one pastor said, what if at the end of history, the question God asks us is not whether we abstain from sin, which is a good question, but what if the question that God asks us is this, did you enter into the joy that was made available to you? This is what I want in this season. I want you to enter into the joy that God has for you. You don't have to live from a place of life is okay that you just kind of try to make it through the day. You just survive, and it's just exhaustion and stress and feeling overwhelmed and chronically inadequate and dominated by sin. It doesn't have to be your script. You don't have to live from that. You can live from a place of true, genuine, authentic joy that today God wants to launch into your heart and into your mind. Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you that you, you're my strength. I thank you you carried me through a very difficult, difficult, difficult season. I thank you, Father, that you're not just the inventor of joy, but you contain joy within your own being. And I just thank you for that wonderful promise in Psalm 16 that in his presence is fullness of joy. His right hand are pleasures forevermore. With your eyes closed, you would say, Chris, I, yeah, I think that's me. Maybe you're not on if you think of your emotional world continuum, maybe you're not in the depressed state, but you know you're in a joyless state. Or maybe you're in a depressed state. But you you know for certain Because you're honest this morning that you're not in the flourishing state. Maybe you're doing good things. Maybe you're working hard, but you just, you feel like, man, probably the dominant things in my life is stress, exhaustion. Maybe for some of you, anger and anxiety. Maybe for some of you, it's just heartache and woundedness. And you want that to stop today. And you want to move from this end of the spectrum of depression and languishing, and you want to move towards flourishing, enjoy that God has in his presence for you. If that's something that you're like, Chris, that's what I want to enter into this next season. I want to enter into the fullness of joy that Jesus promised in John chapter 15. Your eyes closed, your heads bowed, you say, Chris, could you pray for me? Could you just raise your hand right now? And I'd like to pray for you if that's you. Thank you for your hands. Thank you for your honesty. I, I don't want to embarrass you. We've we got a couple minutes left in this service. We're not going to go long. But if you raise your hand, could you just stand? I'd like just to pray for you so I could just see everyone in this room. As you're standing, go ahead and take your hand and put it in your heart. Father, we thank you for an exchange, a great exchange to take place. I thank you for your sons and daughters here. I bless them. Thank you that you would fill them with your presence. Father, I thank you that they would know, they would know, they would know, they would know, they would know your love in deeper ways. I thank you. Begin to speak to them about their future. I thank you that they would have a renewed sense of your presence. I just thank you for everyone that's standing. There's, I thank you for a renewal of joy. I think that they would. it would be more than just a prayer, and prayer is amazing, and it would be more than just something we say, but it would be their lived experience, that the joy of the Lord would become their strength. So I thank you, Father, that they would enter into that today. And I declare it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would lead your people into good pastures filled with joy and rest in your name. If there's anyone suffering from anxiety and depression, but we just take authority over that. We thank you for healing in their bodies, healing in their neurochemistry. We do thank you for good medicine. We thank you for work through good medicine. But I also thank you that you can do a miracle. We believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe here at Capitol Church that Jesus is not the great I was. He is the great I am. And that he's present right now to heal those suffering from depression and anxiety. And I thank you that there are some of you that are experiencing spiritual warfare. You might not have identified it, but I pray anyone like that, you would come, Holy Spirit, and lift off that pressure. Some of you feel like you're just living under a cloud most of your days. I pray you would do a fresh work in their heart. Lift that off in Jesus' name. I thank you where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom and there's liberty, and I declare that over your sons and daughters. I thank you they would know, 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 know who they are in Christ. So we bless them and bind them to your will in Jesus' name. If you could just sit down, if you're standing, I'm gonna pray for one more group. You guys are amazing. Uh, keep your eyes closed. Last prayer uh, for a group of people I wanna to talk to you would say, Chris, I'm sitting on the fence. I'm probably that person that's kind of, hey, kind of semi secular. I realize today that I have, I have put or bet my happiness on circumstances. Like if I man, if I make the team, or if I get the grades, if I get the money, if I get the job, if I get that girl, if I get that guy, if I whatever, you, you realize that you have reduced happiness to circumstances. And your relationship with God is not where it should be. You see, the Bible says that sin in Psalm 51, it crushes the soul. It it destroys one's life. But David, after he, a man after God's own heart, after he sinned, he then repented, came back to Yahweh, and he prayed this beautiful prayer God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you're sitting on the fence and you're like, yes, Chris, I've defined happiness that way, but I wanna put my trust in Jesus. I wanna get off the fence. I wanna give him my life, and I wanna follow God in a new way today with every eye closed, every head bowed. If you want me to pray for you on the count of three, I would like you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Anyone like that? You say yes. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Anyone else? Okay, I see that hand in the back? See those hands? See that hand? Thank you. Many hands. See that hand? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. All right. You can put your hands down. Um, if you raise your hand, take your hand, put it on your heart. Church, we like you to do the same thing. Everybody do this. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I just want you to repeat this after me. It's just a simple prayer inviting the Holy Spirit to come and rescue you. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I no longer want to sit on the fence. I want to follow you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I put my trust in you do a fresh work in my life, fill me with your joy, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Can you give God a hand this morning? Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.